From the studios of KPCW in Park City, it's This Green Earth, a weekly talk show about the environment and our relationships with it. I'm Chris Cherniak. And I'm Claire Wiley. The Mountain Town's 2030 Climate Solution Summit was recently held in Vail, Colorado. Representatives from around the Mountain West convened to share and discuss what they are doing to reduce carbon emissions in their communities. Park City's Environmental Sustainability Manager, Luke Carton, attended the summit and joins us in the first part of the show to recap the event and some of its major takeaways. Then in the second part of the show, ex-Summit County Councilman Gunn Wright joins us to discuss the upcoming Park City Council Candidate Forum on Climate Change taking place Wednesday, November 1st, just tomorrow at the Jim Santee Auditorium. It happens at 6 p.m. That's right. Park City residents will have an opportunity to hear candidate perspectives on local issues that impact our environment and greenhouse gas production. Hosted by the Wasatch Back Chapter of Citizens Climate Lobby, and the Park City Community Foundation Climate Fund. The panel will be facilitated by Park City High School Green Team members and the Environmental Studies class. And you'll be taking part in that too. I will be. Yes, great. And all that and some news regarding the fact that the planet is warming even faster than expected. So this is the lovely good news that Chris picked Claire, for the you day. you always bring these downer <laughs> stories. So I'm not taking credit for this one. Right. Hey, I... I we're going to talk about hope in a minute with Luke, okay? So I'm going to keep it there, and then right. if we have time, take care of hope. we'll bring everyone down. Environmental awareness and education, that's what this Green Earth is all about. Stay with us. And welcome back to This Green Earth, a weekly talk show about our relationship with and impacts upon the environment. I'm Claire Wiley. And I'm Chris Cherniak. All right, and in the studio today, which we love in-studio guests, but we're super excited about this conversation, we are with Luke Carton, who is the Environmental Sustainability Manager for Park City. Welcome, Luke. Thanks so much for having me. And recently, just about a week or so ago, uh, there was a convening of Mountain Towns, and it was the Mountain Towns 2030 Climate Solutions Summit. It happened in Fail, Colorado. And Luke is here to give us a bit of a recap about that. But before we get into the event itself, can you give us um, just kind of the 411 of the origins or beginning of Mountain Towns 2030? Yeah, definitely, Claire. So back in 2019, uh, a bunch of city council members, including current Mayor Nan Worrell, Becca Gerber, uh, Jack Thomas was mayor at the time, Andy Bierman, uh, so we had city council members. We also had our city manager, Diane Foster at the time, myself, Celia Peterson. We all attended something called the Climate Reality uh, Training in Denver, Colorado. So it was just to learn about the latest, both climate science, but also climate communications piece. And out of that, the conversation started of saying, hey, there are a bunch of mountain communities that are doing a lot of the same work that we're trying to do in, in this space. So we've got to have a better way to, to share this information and kind of um, take control of what we need to do, right? So to compare and contrast what some folks say of like, imagine if there was a federal comprehensive climate legislation that was passed tomorrow, right? That changed the world and stopped carbon emissions, even started drawing stuff down. We'd still have to figure out how to implement it at the local level or how to, how to truthfully kind of move to the future we wanted to be. So the thought with mountain towns was saying, let's get all the, the towns in the room that we address similar issues with and uh, talk about solutions, learn from each other. So back in 2019, we actually hosted the first one here in Park City. Um, and then, you know, that we had about 250 or so uh, folks attend. Uh, then we took a, a COVID pause, just like everyone else did. 
Last year we were in Breck. Um, we had about 350 uh, folks attend, and we were looking at about 30 or so mountain communities, the four major ski area operators. Um, and then this past year, it definitely feels like critical mass. We actually had 500 attendees, hmm. 42 mountain communities, the four major ski resort operators, everything from nonprofits to businesses to uh, multinational corporations that have all that are all doing action in, in mountain communities. And one of the key things is the goal behind this is, is learning from each other and is the action. So when you think about it, 500 attendees, we had 92 presenters. Um, we got to learn, and I know we'll go, go into this in a bit, mm -hmm. but we got to learn from each other of saying, hey, what has a Breckenridge done or a Moab done or you know, one of these peer communities or what has, uh, you know, we also had uh, uh, repre representatives there from Louisville, Colorado. This was the town that burned about a year or two ago where there were these fires on the, on the front range outside Denver and blew through it. And it was interesting to learn about their learnings as well. That, that could impact us, right? We live in these kind of uh, wildfire prone communities. So it was, it's a really interesting way to learn from your peer communities. Cause a lot of times when you're doing climate work or truthfully even live in one of these communities, you feel like you're, you're tackling these issues by yourself. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is this is saying, oh wow, hey, Jackson's doing this really cool thing. I want to bring it to my community or, hey, Missoula is trying to address the same things we are. So there's a way we can share thoughts and resources. And this is uh, such a thought leadership too, because you covered such a wide breadth of topics too. So can you give us some um, maybe highlight topics that um, you saw at the con conference that you would like to talk about? Uh, because I there were 92 speakers, like you said. So there was this enormous amount of information that was being dispelled to all these people. So can you give us some of the highlights? Yeah, so really quick, the, the basic structure of the conference was in the, the morning we'd have kind of some, some large impactful speeches, everything from climate equity to uh, messaging and, and hope. In the afternoon, we had three sessions of five breakouts each. So we had 15 in each afternoon. We did it for two afternoons. And then the final kind of send off we wanted to kind of leave people with that invig and, you know, the feeling of invigoration. Um, so we had uh, Jenna, who's the current president of Patagonia, uh, the, the clothing company. And we also had uh, the current uh, governor of Washington, Jay Inslee, who's done a lot of climate stuff as well. And they, they, the interesting thing for that presentation wasn't just them talking at the audience. Uh, Jenna's presentation was 15 minutes. Governor Inslee's was maybe 10. Um, where he did say a line that stuck with me is he goes, you know, the, the room was just full of a bunch of ski bums that finally grew up. Um, but it was the really interesting thing is then they did Q&A on stage hosted together for uh, like 45 minutes. So it was really interesting to be able to pick their brains, understand pieces. But the, again, we wanted to kind of cover everything from the world of wonk, you know, the technical stuff of building codes and, and you know, what's the latest IECC stuff to uh, climate psychology of how to talk about this that people just don't actively disengage or um, broad-based pieces on uh, climate mayors and how mayors instilled everything. We had the mayor of Savannah actually come and talk about, they, they made kind of a zero waste district and, and how their communities embrace that. Um, so it's, it's definitely a very broad um, piece. And the, the great thing is, you know, the agenda, it's still up on mt2030.org and we recorded all the breakouts as well knowing mm -hmm. that folks can't cover everything uh one of the really interesting talks that I actually got to host the, the fun thing is because i helped co-found this organization you get to kind of pick and choose what you 
which, which uh, workshops you get to host. I hosted one on nonprofits, and it was really interesting to understand uh, both in Colorado and, U- Colorado and Utah how different nonprofits are approaching uh, the climate space um, and just how they have to wear multiple different hats, everything from that, you know, the, the educator to the technical expert to the storyteller to all these other pieces. And, it, and it's an interesting concept, too, of when you look at nonprofits, of you know a lot of folks think they're nice to have but when you see the gaps that a lot of these nonprofits fill it's a need to have right if if they didn't exist that this work would definitely fall flat so it was a really interesting conversation um but the other thing too is like i said having 42 other mountain communities in the room um in the evening it was more of a less less structured but just get everyone together and that was really interesting too to make really great connections with towns like ridgeway missoula Jackson, Laramie, you know, all these other communities that are working in these spaces too and, and having these conversations. So it's, 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 you kind of leave there pretty jazzed up. Yeah. And you said in the end, um, you did have the speakers and you had a Q&A, but in every breakout session, there was also a Q&A. So there was a lot of engagement coming from everyone. There were a lot of questions, which I thought was great because, uh, pe- you know, obviously some people have the same questions, but they brought up a lot of good and interesting points and the speakers were so well equipped to help in those arenas and and you had everything from copper mountain experimenting with biochar in the next year and we're all going to get to learn from that to like you said the nonprofits and how they're filling these gaps and even moving some policy um just uh, to me it was there was a lot of information it was a little overwhelming so it is nice to know that you can go online and can you give that address again yeah it's just mt2030.org and like i said we recorded all the breakouts and we're right now sorting through like the 50 some odd videos or so so we're getting it all kind of snipped up and stuff but that that's the goal is just to say hey there are these great resources and to take a quick half half step back, though, I think it'd be key for folks to understand. So the goal behind this conference is is the action side of it, climate action. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's it's not, you know, it's it's moving past just the the greenwashing or patting ourselves on the back and saying, hey, who's doing stuff that can actually help kind of move the needle? And it might not apply to every community, but it can apply to a majority of them. And I think the other key thing is you never really heard tons of carbon ever discussed, which is pretty wild for people to wrap their head around. Like, well, it's a climate conference. You should talk about tons of carbon. But no one knows what a ton of carbon is. So I think it's just that theory behind it of just saying, you know, what's what's the the community or you could view it as regionally or in the West or our country? What what do we want these communities to, to look like and feel like in the future? And then the other thing, too, is there's a major economic value to this as well. You know, if you took Park City's community-wide carbon footprint, that's just made up of oil, you know, gasoline we burn, diesel we burn, natural gas we burn, coal that's burned for the electricity side of things, even the methane side, all that has an actual economic value. So if you took our carbon footprint and monetized it, it's, it's worth a quarter of a billion dollars a year. So you think a quarter of a billion of dollars a year are leaving our community. And it's going all over the world, right? It's not just going to a natural gas well um, over in Vernal or you know an extractive industry in, in Wyoming. This is literally going to places in Venezuela and all these other places that aren't you know fully up on human rights. So when you start saying, "Hey, we're we're already spending as a community, uh, community wide, uh, a quarter of a billion dollars a year. Two hundred, it's two hundred forty-eight million. And that's not only to operate our community, but it's also to get people, goods, and services to our community, right? Flying here, trucking food up. Um, and you start saying, hey, could we steer those dollars? So when people say, hey, how are we, gonna, how are we ever going to pay for this? It's going to be so expensive. 
we've, we've got a quarter of a billion dollars to play with. Now imagine if we could capture 20% of that back in our communities or just in our region, that, that's equivalent to opening another ski resort, right? So you start viewing it as, hey, there is some economic prosperity tied to this as well without getting totally into the, the tons of carbon and, and that side of it because people's eyes glaze over because they can't relate to it. They can't tangibly touch or see or feel what a ton of carbon is or CO2E or all these other things. So I just wanted to bring that up too. We're, we're speaking with Luke Carton. He is the Environmental Sustainability Manager with Park City, and we're talking about the uh, most recent Mountain Towns 2030 Climate Solutions Summit that was held uh, in Vail, Colorado. So, Luke, uh, 42 communities. Uh, what communities are, you say, are doing some interesting things? They say, hey, I, I like that idea. Maybe we could do it here. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, there, there's definitely a slight competitive spirit as well. Um, but it was interesting talking to uh, the mayor of Ridgeway, Colorado. So Ridgeway, if you ever drive to Telluride, um, it's, it's right on the way. It's a little kind of sleepy town. They've actually got some pretty amazing mountain biking there, and they're growing that side of it. But it was interesting to compare and contrast. They just did a public-private partnership affordable housing project as well, uh, fully electric and all those other things. And they are a much, much, much smaller community. So it was interesting to understand how did that come about, right, of, of understanding that the, the, you know, all the efficiencies and electrification they put into it, and then just rolling that all into one massively complex program. Another one, a great example is the town of Eagle, uh, Colorado. It's about 40 miles west of uh, Vail. Same thing, it's actually another good mountain biking town. Mm -hmm. um, they've done a few things there, but the interesting thing is they just rolled out a community-wide food waste program. Mm. So it's not just a pilot program saying, hey, we're going to pick up 50 houses. It's literally being like, if you get a wheelie bin, you get one of these wheelie bins as well to put your green waste and food waste in as well. Um, and it's interesting, again, to talk to them about that process. And that's the goal of this Mountain Towns piece, right? I can go call one of the town council members or the town manager, or they, they just hired a sustainability specialist there too, and say, hey, what did this cost? What did you, what did you have to work in with the haulers? If you had to do this again, what would you do differently? So then if we wanted to roll a program out like that here in Park City or with the county, um, we now are like three steps ahead because I can show mm -hmm. budget documents and, and agreements and, and talk, to, talk to the hauler and, and that side of it too. So that, those were some pretty interesting, just on the ground, quick, tangible things. When you talk about action items, because you say this, this is really moving into action, what are some of the things you've seen since 2019 or that you discussed last year that you do start to see being implemented? Can you cite any of those examples? Yeah, a couple of great examples. So back in 2019, we were kind of the, the lone kid on the block with, with our goal of, you know, the net zero carbon by 2030. The interesting thing is since then, we've actually seen other communities come in and align with us. So we have Jackson, Wyoming, uh, Eagle, Colorado, and, and Crested Butte as well. Um, but on, on top of that, we also have communities that have aligned on our 100% renewable electricity side. Um, in Utah, there's actually 18 communities that are doing that. We've also seen Missoula, Missoula County and Bozeman and potentially Helena align on that too. So you're starting to see these goals actually come together. And then the really interesting thing too is you're seeing the ski area partners come to the table. So uh, Vail Resorts, uh, Altera, and Boyne Resorts have all aligned on a net zero by 2030 goal as well. So you have major industry drivers plus communities now all kind of coming together of saying, hey, let, let's take charge of this and figure out how we're going to go that way. So I think on a high level, it's great to see kind of that momentum growing in, in the sharing of best practices, right? We brought the, the four major ski resort operators, Altera Vale Resorts, Boyne, and Powder on stage, 
and they're, they have something called the Mountain Collaborative for uh, Climate Action. They're actually rolling out a, a thing of saying, hey, if you have a great idea, send it to us. And, and there's ways to both, you know, get funded or truthfully work with them, right, of tie into their, their kind of brains to help solve these issues too. So it's interesting to say, to see the original thought was if we got everyone in a room and started discussing action, will anything come out? And we've actually seen a lot come out of it. So it's, it's been pretty neat to, again, just feel like, instead of just sitting back and waiting or complaining or pointing fingers at the broken, you know, things going on in Congress or the infighting of both parties and all this other stuff, this is nonpartisan. This is just saying, what's the pathway forward? Um, you know, another really interesting thing I went to learn about on the scariest side was uh, Mount Bachelor in Oregon has installed a biomass plant mm -hmm. to heat, you know, to provide hmm. like thermal heat and thermal loads. And it's using forest residues and all this other stuff. So that was fascinating to learn about when you look at some of the wildfire clearing we have to do both here and but also in the Uinta Wasatch Cache to keep our watersheds protected and all this other stuff of being like, you cut the trees down, you still got to do something with them. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's a way to, to add that additional both economic value and also the, the, sustain, the sustainability attributes of it. And as, well. as you had mentioned, I um, did feel that positivity. Um, you could just commiserate and sit in a room and, and talk about all these things that are happening. Uh, but I loved seeing that everyone, like you said, was looking for the path forward and people were actioning things. And there were also people, um, uh, like I just mentioned, Copper Mountain not too long ago, who uh, is experimenting with a couple different ways in which to sequester more carbon uh, into the mountain. And I thought that that was very interesting. And we're going to be able to learn from what they're doing there. Um, and then also, like you said, a lot of countries in Europe are implementing um, the biomass that you just mentioned. Yeah. I mean, there, again, there's so many things to learn from. And it's it, that's the thing that makes it exciting. Instead of being like, oh, I've got, you know, 40 unsolvable issues. Now it's like, wow, I can solve like 35 of them. Um, and it's, 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 again, it's neat to see how people's they just kind of feel that spark of being like, wow, I can actually start seeing these pathways forward. On the biochar example, we're actually going to do a, a biochar uh, demonstration with a bunch of kind of like the, the operators here coming up in, in a week or so or two of just saying, hey, if we are, if you're a land manager, let's look at how we can, again, try to find value out of all these things. So that that's the the great thing about it. And then, you know, on the speaker side, there's always these, these high impact ones in Mali Kawahata. Did a, she, um, she has a film that Patagonia produced about her. She worked her way and she worked as a climate advisor at the White House. Um, and she also has a bipolarism and she talks openly about all these things, but her concept is just, she speaks internationally about just reframing the, the subject of just being like, hey, if you, if you have a boss that's not hopeful, um, it, it burns through your organization. If you have someone that's just saying, hey, we're, we're you know, leaning into the challenge instead of being overwhelmed by it. That's the, that's the huge piece. And again, I think the goal on this is to not just be like, here's all the technical puzzle pieces, but more of like, take a half step back. How do you, how do you stay charged up on this? Yeah. And Chris, did you have a question? I want to get back to Molly, yeah. but yeah, go. Thank you. We, <laughs> we only have a few minutes left. Yeah. One of the talks, uh, that resident me dealt with heat tape and snow melt systems, which is a real challenge here in terms of its, let's say its efficiencies or lack thereof at times. Yes, so um, this is one of the areas that we, we, you know, this is the Utah versus Colorado piece. So many of the Colorado towns are something called home rule. So that means they can go out and set energy code. So they can say, hey, you gotta use windows of, you know, X amount of insulation 
Crested Butte, after they set their, after they aligned with our goal, they actually said, if you're building in Crested Butte, it has to be fully electric, mm-hmm. um, which was the first ever in Colorado. And both Breckenridge and Aspen have something called the REMP, Renewable Energy Mitigation Program. So if you go out and put in a heated driveway, a ton of heat tape, mm-hmm. um, a large hot tub, all these kind of outdoor heated sources that, you know, let's be honest. Fire right? pit, natural yeah. gas fire yeah. pits just to heat your outdoors just to make it feel pretty um (laughs) so what they do is they say you have to um make it up on the efficiency side and they also have ways to use funding and again i'm going to do a very high level but if folks really want to nerd out check out aspen's remp program you actually can pay into a fund at a higher rate and then those dollars go to help drive down energy use in schools affordable housing government buildings a couple other spots too so it's just saying like, hey, we, we want to steer things towards the better and say these aren't kind of critical pieces. So it's, it's almost you could view it as a syntax or not. But it's interesting as they, again, build off of each other and learn from each other, both Aspen's in, uh, affecting what Breckenridge is doing and what Breckenridge is doing is affecting what Aspen's doing, too. And that's exactly it, right? Just share best practices and let's get more effective at these things, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I, I put a pin in Molly for a second, but uh, Molly Kawahara mm-hmm. uh, was a speaker there, and you just kind of described her background, but uh, her biggest message was hope, which, you know, Chris and I talk about this a lot as, as we do the show and we get guests on and we talk about these topics, and sometimes they can get very heavy. Um, and if we're not reframing that, it, it can bring people down and it can feel almost hopeless. But I like the way that she had it all reframed of if you are going to lead a charge and you tell someone um, we have this big thing to surmount not sure if we're gonna get there but um, you know we have this likelihood of maybe getting there will you come with me or I see the promised land there is a pathway there um, and if we all come together we can make a, a clear change and and I like how she reframed some of those things can you give us a little bit more of a breakdown of some of her messaging around hope yeah definitely the, the concept is is you not only just the hope side it's just saying like negative messaging just un, un you know people unengaged so it's it's like the the you can't just yell at someone to change the topic right it's called like if you tell someone don't think of a white bear they're gonna think of a white bear right and if you sit there and be like don't think of a white bear. And the other person's like, think of white bear. It, it, yelling the, the negative still actually triggers in the head the, the antithesis of the argument you're trying to make. So her point was just reframe this concept with that kind of, and it's not just broad-based, oh, I hope every, every, everything's going to be great. We can sit around and write poetry and mm-hmm. sing in the fields of wildflowers. But it's more of the concept of hope, and then you also create that pathway forward. You don't have to know the incomplete pathway forward, but t- tying those two pieces together brings people and they feel excited of being like, hey, now I have control over this and I can help drive things forward. Not just being like, I hope someone else figure this out or we're all screwed. Um, it's more of just saying, hey, this is something we definitely have to do, but it's it's instead of feeling run down and guilty about it, just being like, no, this is this is actually an exciting problem to solve. So I think that that's a, that's a key kind of framing. And I know that there's talks of actually bringing her to Park City to to share a message because it, it's a really interesting thing of 
both for the climate space, but then also outside that climate space too. And I feel like Mountain Towns 2030 really uh, embodies what she said. She said to inspire hope, you have to embody hope. And I think that that is what Mountain Towns 2030 is doing. It's saying he, we have this hope forward. We have this pathway forward. We have this promised land that we're looking to. Um, and we're just looking to have people come along and help each other along the way. Yeah. And, and again, the goal is just to say a 2050 goal. That's, that's so far out, right? I'll be, I'm a, I'm a government employee. I'll be 71. So good luck with that guys. Um, <laughs> but I think that the goal is just saying, if we take charge of it now, we can start looking at this pathway and I don't need the hundred percent of the pathway. In fact, I think anyone who says they have the hundred percent of the pathway, it, it's a flawed thinking because what's what the world or what the available technologies or best thought is in four years will change but the thought would be hey we have to go after energy efficiency and renewables and that side of it and then as you kind of fill in those pieces and they become clearer you'll make certain tweaks to these things um and it's just being again open to pursuing that pathway of of taking charge right i think that that's the key thing about all this of figuring out what do I want my community to look like mm -hmm. in even 10 years? It's pretty easy. It's crazy to say, but it's, we can make that change quick, quickly. What's the pathway I can choose to get there? Yeah, and one uh, of the other th things she, she said around that was no one is coming to do this. Sorry, Chris, we are the ones, we're the ones to do this, right? So she's like, no one's coming to save you. Sorry, Chris, go ahead. No, that's all right, we gotta wrap up. Yeah. Um, next year? Jackson, Wyoming. Okay. Um, nailing down the dates, it'll be in the fall. Um, same thing, actually, there's a, we had, I don't know, Claire, Claire came as well. So we had about like dozen people or so, 15 people, somewhere in that range that attended. And again, it's, it's if people are more interested about doing this, it's not just to come and learn. The focus is like, come and learn and take action, right? Mm -hmm. So the thought is, who can we bring to the room that's just not filling a seat to hear it all, but truthfully coming to say, hey, I have action over these things and get those different perspectives in a room. So yeah, Jackson next year. All right. And again, the website for people to, to learn more about this? mt2030.org. And again, if folks want to know, they really want to dive in or they say, hey, this topic is really interesting or would you learn? Just reach out to me. It's I'm pretty easy to track down. It's just luke.carton at parkcity.org. If you go on parkcity.org, you can find the Sustainability Department of Two on there and just track me down and happy to chat. All right, Luke Carton, Environmental Sustainability Manager with Park City. Thanks, as always, for, for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. We sure do appreciate you and giving us a recap of this year's event. And we will be back. Uh, and coming in next, Chris, is... Glenn Wright. He's an ex-councilman with Summit County, and he, he'll be joining us to talk about tomorrow night's uh, Park City Council Candidate Forum. We'll give you the details. It's this green earth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to This Green Earth, a weekly talk show about our relationships with and impacts upon the environment. I'm Chris Cherniak. And I'm Claire Wiley. And joining us uh, for the second part of the show is Glenn Wright. Among other things, he, Glenn was a, a councilman on the Summit County Council. Uh, now he's uh, retired and just uh, continues to be a, I don't know, a citizen activist in, in the environmental area? I would say citizen activist in the environmental area is a good description. Uh, I've been spending a fair amount of my retired time with Citizens Climate Lobby. I was a sponsor of this, uh, of the candidates debate on That's right. the environment. That's so, right. So tomorrow night uh, at the Jim Santee Auditorium, starting at 6 p.m., there will be a candidate forum or the, the, the uh, six uh, a gentleman running for Park City Council will be answering questions uh, with respect to climate change and other environmental issues in general. Um, 
uh, th that confront Park City. And uh, obviously, by confronting Park City, they also kind of confront uh, the county as a whole, too. Uh, you can't uncouple the two. Um, so they're going to be there, and you're right. It's going to be hosted by the Wasatch Back Chapter of Citizens Climate Lobby and the Park City Community Foundation Climate Fund. But what's interesting about this is that uh, there's going to be questions posed to them, and the questions are going to be formulated and coming from high school students. That is correct. Uh, and I will be helping to moderate it, full disclosure. I'll be helping <laughs> to moderate uh, the evening, but I'll be joined by two students, uh, Sonia Preston and Bridget Lane, who will be asking the questions of the candidates. We, we won't divulge what the questions are. We've, we've completed it, but we can maybe give a sense of some of the topics. Sure. Um, so the, the, some of the topics may will include, let's say, water, issues associated with water, uh, renewable energy, solid waste, recycling, composting, et cetera, uh, transportation. Any others, Glenn? Yeah. Uh, development. Development. That's the, a key one. I, I think development is one of the keys uh, for my six years in the county council. I uh, found that we spent a lot of our time on development issues. And I'm, I know the city council does also. And that's where both city and county governments have some muscle in determining what the uh, environmental impact of a new development will have right new developments uh either by number or by density Dens critical density is a really critical issue uh the more density you have the more height you have in a building the more efficient a building is right you can put yeah the individual carbon footprint of each resident goes down in a, in a more dense structure there's an economy of scale there, there as far as uh uh energy use goes uh or or supply let's say yes. energy supply there, a, water supply yeah, there's an economy of scale uh from an efficiency from an energy use standpoint uh but also uh from an economic standpoint uh i spent a fair amount of time also in my past on uh, affordable housing issues and the more dense you develop uh, a community the more economic it is it becomes more affordable for people who normally wouldn't be able to afford to live in a community. Okay, so those are uh, some. Uh, that's an example of a topic that uh, could be queried again uh, from from the students. Um, in addition to having student questions, uh, at given time, we're going to uh, take questions from the audience. So the audience members will be able to write down questions on cards, hand those cards in. They'll be kind of uh, collected and vetted. Uh, and so that, uh, again, myself or the students will ask questions posed by audience members. So it's a real great opportunity for people to come and, and, and get their, uh, share their thoughts and questions to the, to the candidates. Absolutely. I, I think uh, what this venue will, I hope will accomplish, is to really dig deeper on environmental issues and to find out what our potential candidates and potential council members really know about the environment and how committed they are to that particular uh, uh, issue. Uh, I've attended a couple of the debates so far and I see a lot, occasionally environmental questions come up and I see a lot of uh, very general responses. Uh, oh, let's have a big plan. 
uh, yeah, let's let's do these sorts of things. Oh, we have plans for this mm-hmm. that will work out. Uh, I'd like to hear more concrete answers. Mm. That that I, I'm a Park City voter. I, I live in the municipality here, and uh, I'm looking for people who have really thought about the issue and have some concrete issues uh, that and some concrete solutions right. that they want to propose. Um, one thing I'm curious about, and I've heard it several times, that Park City has a 2030 net zero goal. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming, and I haven't read the Park City document on this, that it's for government operations because uh, the Tooele Solar Farm is coming along, and both the city and county will have 100% uh, renewable electrical energy sometime next year. That, that That's going to happen. So mm. at that point, uh, the city has the ability to get to net zero on government operations. Right. Uh, will we get to net zero off for the entire community? No, there's no possible chance of doing that. And the reasons for that is, uh, you know, people still drive internal combustion cars. They still have gas furnaces. Right. Those things, you know, can be cha- will change, I'm confident, over the next 10 to 20 years. You know, you can see that uh, the automobile companies, um, the major ones, are going towards uh, 100% electric cars by the mid-30s. But then you're going to have another 10 to 15 years where cars kind of, yeah, age out of the system. Right. Um, with aggressive policies here, we could probably uh, could see mostly electric cars, maybe maybe 2040. Uh Gas furnaces have about a 15-year life. Right. So if we encourage people to replace them with heat pumps, uh, that will take another 10, 15, 20 years. Well, we can get there as a community. I'd like to see what our candidates can do to encourage people to move in that direction. Okay. Good. I'm um, glad very much that you are encouraging the youth to bring these questions because it very much affects them and their future. And like you say, some of these things are aging out, but this is a topic that they are more familiar with than than others in other generations because they are faced with this every day and it is their future. And what this town looks like is very important to them, I'm sure. And you're talking about density and affordable housing. Um, if they want to live and stay here in Park City, uh, I... I'm really excited to see what questions they come up with, yeah. I guess, is because uh, this generation, I think uh, it matters to them what yeah. happens in these next 20 years. You know, not that it doesn't matter to all of us. Of course it does. Uh, but they are our future. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen their questions and they are very good. They put yeah. some good thought into these uh, into these questions. They take it seriously. And I believe they understand the future of our community will change. Climate change is happening. Mm -hmm. And it's going to affect our community at this altitude more than at some other altitudes. We've seen over the last, oh, probably two or three decades, we've lost about six inches of winter. Six six inches. Six six weeks of winter. On either end. On either end, yes. Uh, Well, we could lose another six weeks. What does that mean for the community? Right. That means skiing during Christmas is marginal. What does that mean for the economy of, of the community? Right. It means potentially a transition to a more uh, non-winter 
uh, economy yes. here. So, uh, so there's lots of things in play uh, in that sense. With I want to circle back to you know your work as a, a councilman with the county. You dealt with all these environmental issues mm -hmm. too. Um, one that was is always interesting is in the area of building codes and the role that building codes can play in producing or helping develop more efficient homes, businesses, etc. But there can be limitations yes. on those two. So talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's a really good point, Chris. Um, we have a legislature who has uh, mandated... A state legislature. A state legislature has yeah. mandated that cities and counties cannot have building codes that are more uh, strict than the state code. Okay. Except in working with developers, if they want more density, they can negotiate higher building standards, more insulation, electrification, mm. no use of natural gas. Those things are all possible uh, for new developments uh, if a developer and want more density. And guess what? Developers always want more density. Right. Always, always, always. Because it pays <laughs> off. Yes. It pays back. Yes. Okay. So, but otherwise, the the there is a there are uh, state mandated codes or so um, that communities cannot. Yeah. As an exceed. example, if if you own a building lot for yourself, you want to build a house. The city cannot tell you that you uh, uh, have to electrify. They can't tell you that you have to put more insulation into your house than is standard in, in the building code. They can't tell you that you can't uh, heat your driveway. But if a developer is, is looking for more density, those are all demands that, that can be made. Right. Of course, the homeowner has the, the latitude of doing those things yes. anyway. But you're saying the city is we kind can't, of... We can't mandate it. But, but what can we do to encourage people okay. to do that? Right. What can the, you know, and that's, you know. Incentivize. Let's hear from some of the candidates. How are you going to incentivize people to do those things? And I think Luke talked about some of those things in the previous mm -hmm. half hour. Right. Right. And like you say, some other, there are other states that have more stringent building codes or yes. so, Colorado or so. Uh, but here in Utah, um, kind of hamstrung mm -hmm. by, um, just what what cities can and can't do. Okay, so so if you just join us, we're we're speaking with Glenn Wright, um, among other things. He's uh, ex councilman with uh, Summit County, and we're here talking about tomorrow night's event, uh, the Park City Council Candidate Forum on climate change. It's taking place at the Jim Santee Auditorium. I said tomorrow night, starting at 6 p.m. Uh, the questions, uh, introductions, are, you know, for a few minutes, and then we launch questions around 6:15. Go for about student-led questions for almost an hour. Each question, uh, each candidate will get an opportunity to answer that question for one minute. They will get one minute. They did that last week, and mm -hmm. it worked out worked pretty out well. well. Yeah, uh, brevity, brevity, right? <laughs> be be concise. Get to the point. Get to the point, yes. <laughs> so uh, there will be student questions, and then there will be an opportunity uh, near the end uh, for some audience-based questions. If, uh, if audience want to write down a question, they can hand those in. So lots of opportunities there. Is this the first event of its kind to be climate-based, or have you done uh, one before that is specifically uh, based Citizens on... Climate Lobby did one two years ago. Okay. 
Uh, I ran for Congress last year also, and I was in a debate sponsored by Citizens Climate Lobby on environment. Okay. So, yeah, Citizens Climate Lobby is active in trying to get candidates to talk about the environment. That's one of their, their goals is to, uh, their real goals are to lobby legislative bodies to do better. Is this the first one, though, Park City uh, is going to be having for their council members? No, they did, uh, did it again two years ago for the uh, mayoral and city council uh, place. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There was one two years ago. Look, look, let's be, let's be clear. The environment is why we live here. I, I mean, people move to Park City because of the outdoors. Mm -hmm. It's environmental setting. Nobody moves here because... Uh, I got a job at, at some factory or some um, a company or so, per se. Th the vast majority of us moved here because we love the outdoors. So the environment and environmental mindfulness and environmental protection should run like a thread through every topic, whether it's transportation-related, development-related. Affordable housing has an impact on the environment, right? Affordable housing and transportation are intimately involved okay, let's talk with... The environment. Yeah. Uh, the more affordable, the more efficient, affordable housing you can create in a city. Create walking villages where people do not have to hop in their car to do every single chore. Create uh, trans at transportation nodes so they don't necessarily need a car to get to work. Mm -hmm. A lot of our, a lot of the people that commute into the, the town. I think I've heard we have something on the order of 8,000 people that uh, commute into, into Park City Municipal every day. If a couple more, a thousand more of those lived here, they, didn't, they weren't clogging up the roads coming in every morning. And producing greenhouse producing gases. producing greenhouse gases from wherever they're driving right. from. They could take an electric bus that's running in, by next year on, on renewable energy. Mm -hmm. uh, their carbon footprint goes way down. The living in a more dense project in a walkable village is inherently more efficient from a, a carbon right. footprint standpoint. Right. But but I guess the challenge there is trying to to maybe develop um, a, a, a denser type of infrastructure that is both uh, well that. Uh, we, we, we can provide with water and mm -hmm. wastewater and, and, and school desks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, thousands of more people living here puts a, a, a separate set of pressures on the infrastructure. Yes. And one, one of the issues we have are, is the concept that we're a small mountain town and we're a rural, we're, we're a rural village out here and we can't build any higher than three stories. Right. Uh, if you go back about six or seven years, we had this big vacant lot, five acres, on uh, Bonanza and Kearns right now. Mm -hmm. If the city had given a developer seven years ago two more stories, something efficient would have been built there already. And we, yeah, the city wouldn't have had to put out, uh, was it $19 million or something mm -hmm. like that to buy, a, buy a land and have a... A, an eyesore in the middle of the city for additional six or seven years. We'd have an efficient, we could have, could have had an efficient uh, development hmm. there. But uh, there's too many folks here that, yeah, we have to change our mindset. And that has to come out 
with candidates that are willing to say that and, and run, run on that policy and be elected. Uh, no, we can't, you know, three-story buildings are not as efficient as a six-story building. Right. That's just physics. Right. I mean, look, the the greenest city I've ever lived in, in uh, lived all around the country, is New York City. Yeah. Right. I mean, let's be. I didn't even need. I didn't need a car. I got well, got mm -hmm. broken into first, <laughs> the second day I was there, and then I got it out of the city. But I, I didn't need it. I didn't need yeah. a car. Uh, again, economy of scale, but you know, it's New York City. There is again. There's challenges associated with large, dense population, mm -hmm. and that's the that is some of the pushback there. That's the challenge. Yes. All right, last few minutes. Yeah. Um, talk about the importance of collaboration between Park City and the county with respect to some of these things. We can we can turn towards say the landfill. Yes. Right. It's the county-run landfill. Park City produces the majority of wa the majority of waste that goes into land comes from Park City. Park City and Western Summit County. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Basically the greater Park City area. Yeah. 84060, Right. That's where the vast majority of the, our garbage is, is coming from. Uh, there's an interesting possible proposal. I sat in on a meeting uh, about a month ago now or so about a potential biomass uh, energy plant that could be created uh there are some something a, similar to what luke was talking yes. about what Ma mount bachelor is doing a, a, exactly and uh in combination with the a large amount of wood waste we have coming out of the the national forest right and out of our ski mountains right uh, uh we probably have now enough biomass to make an economical for investors to come in and actually build one of those mm -hmm. facilities uh, and that is it a, is it a done deal no but it's it, it it's now a real possibility and if you want to get some more information on that i would suggest reaching out to jess kirby and emily quinton at the county to see how that uh, how that project is going i was invited to an initial uh discussion on that like i said about a month to six weeks ago i have no idea where it's going right now right it's really in the hands of the developer who needs to acquire property. And once he acquires property, he's gonna have to get zoning from somebody, a city or a county, to put it within there. And that's a topic we're definitely gonna be discussing on the screener. So stay tuned sure. in the coming weeks because um, obviously this, this could be a great solution for our community and it has proven to work well in, in not only European communities, yeah. but It's a wheel bachelor. that's been invented yeah. in many ways. Yeah. And in, in terms of carbon footprint, evolution of greenhouse gases this county landfill is the biggest greenhouse gas producer for county government operations right. by far it's over half of the county government's carbon footprint mm. it's coming from the landfill it's coming from the landfill methane In, coming off methane the yeah primarily yeah. uh and so there's opportunities yes right that's the, the there's the hopeful as it's it's there's opportunities yeah. to Definitely, reduce yeah. that and, uh, and the waste. Community Foundation in Park City have a goal to uh, reduce the carbon footprint of our food waste. Well, right. it all goes into the, into this biomass facility. Yeah, you you have accomplished that. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So the goals as you come back to the event um, are to clarify where these candidates stand on different issues, correct? Now, do you mm -hmm. think there is a big disparity uh, throughout the the candidates or do you think that a lot of them are aligned? Do you What do you see coming out of this? I think mm -hmm. they all generally want to do the right thing. I don't know that they all have the understanding on how to do it or or have some uh, have concrete ideas on how to go about it and maybe some of those concrete ideas that some of them have aren't very good I, that's and I'm not going to speak to that myself mm -hmm. it's not my job to tell people who to vote for and it's it's our job as citizen climate lobby to put the questions out there and see how the candidates uh, react and uh, uh, advance the discussion in the community and hopefully we'll get uh, three new city council members who are real, you know, are, are really more on top of the environmental issues. Yeah, we hope so. Uh, and like, yeah, uh, to your point, Claire, tomorrow night is an opportunity for these candidates, again, like you say, to share their understanding of environmental issues. Again, whether it's water, or energy, air quality, we even uh, touch on wildfire management, mm -hmm. which is, of course, is a huge environmental huge impact. Uh, and, and again, the housing and the transportation environment runs like a thread through all of these mm -hmm. topics and issues. Mm -hmm. How are they understand? Where are some of their maybe unique ideas associated with that? How do they separate themselves from others? They will get these questions. They'll get one minute to answer them. Each candidate will get an opportunity to answer each question uh, for a question first, and they'll go around the room, etc. Uh, so that's how the 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 forum is uh, will will unfold tomorrow night, and we're looking forward to it. So, uh, Glenn, last minute or so, what are you doing these days? Well, I'm working with Citizens Climate Lobby. Okay. There, if you read the Park Record last week, you find may find that I may run for Congress again if the state party can't find a, a younger <laughs> candidate. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm willing to do it one more time. And really? uh, actually, this time I'll have more time to campaign if I do it. Because, lessons learned? Uh, lessons learned. Well, last time I was, I had pretty, almost a full-time job in the county council, so I couldn't get out and really talk right. to people. It was really 90% uh, of digital campaign. I'll be able to campaign a little bit more, uh, but uh, it, it's not definite. I'm, uh, I mean, I've asked a, I have asked the state party, you really need a young candidate from utah county because that's where most of the votes uh, are okay and if they find somebody like that i will help that person and give them as much advice as i possibly can well someone listening out there right this could be your opportunity that's to get mentored talk, talk to glenn by glenn <laughs> glenn wright uh ex-councilman with summit county and now working for the uh working with the uh, wasatch back chapter of citizens climate lobby Thank you so so much for joining us this morning, and we'll see you tomorrow night at the Santee Auditorium. You certainly will. And Pleasure to be here. And can you give that information again about the who, what, when, where, why? Yes, tomorrow night at the Santee Auditorium. It starts at 6 p.m. Uh, the goal is to wrap up by 7.30, so it's, uh, it's 90 minutes. Uh, it's the Park City Council Candidate Forum on Climate Change.